Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. to the Writer's Tricks for the Trade Show. My name is Denny Griffin, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Miller, and Morgan St. James has the night off. How you doing, Eric? Pretty good, Denny. How are you? How, how is everyone out there? I think it's a great day, and I'm doing fine. I hope everybody else is as well. Now, for the next 30 minutes or so, Eric and I will be chatting with former mobster-turned-author Frank Collada. And in the interest of full disclosure, I want to inform the listeners that Frank and I have co-authored two books together. Frank, welcome to the Writer's Tricks of the Trade Show. Thanks. I'm glad uh, to be with you. Okay, before we begin, let me say to the listeners, if, if they have any questions for Frank or a question or comment about the show, you're welcome to call in at 646-478-0982. That's 646-478-0982. And, Frank, let me start out by asking you about your first book. That was The title was Collada, and that was published in 2007. And prior to, prior to that book, you had never done any writing before. So would you tell us what it was like for your first encounter with, the, with book writing? Uh, it was a very, very difficult uh for me to do it because you have to, you know, I'm talking like 40 years uh, of stuff that had happened in my lifetime that I had to dig back up again in my brain and put it on paper and then uh, having it taken off the paper. Actually, I went on a tape first. Then from the tape, we went on to paper. And then finally when I got done, well, that took about three or four years because I just couldn't sit around all day and do it. And then uh, I just set it in the box, and uh, I didn't try to shop it anywhere. And about 15 years later, that's when I was approached uh, by somebody, uh, Dennis Griffin, who uh, (laughs) was quite interested in my work. Yeah, but it was very difficult. It was very difficult. I probably, I'm sure he couldn't have done it without, without the help of Dennis Griffin. Well, thank you, Frank. And I got to tell you, it was a, it was a fun project, and and I would uh, need to get this out there that uh, when we when Frank and I first started working together on the on the book, uh, we were doing a lot of stuff by telephone. Uh, 
That was back in the day. I think you didn't have a computer yet then, uh, did you, Frank? I don't think you had a computer yet. And there were various reasons. I, I really couldn't know of you know, Frank's exact location and those types of things. So for security purposes, um, it was it was quite a cumbersome thing to try to do. And I would be, um, when we'd have one of our phone calls, I'd be on the, my living room floor with a legal pad, and Frank would be telling me, you know, uh, parts of his life story. And one of the biggest problems I had was... Uh, all I could think of was about the uh, the Godfather movie, about, you know, nothing personal, it's all strictly business, because Frank's voice inflection never changed. It, w- it was always the same, and I don't take shorthand, so I'd always be a little bit behind him, and uh, and then I, my brain would finally catch up, and I'd say, holy sh- hell, Frank, uh, that's very important, you know, about you, you did this or that at a certain place in time. So I'd, I'd go back and uh, and say we need more detail about that because that's what people want to read about. So um, it was quite an experience, I guess, for both of us. Um, but well, I we, did we have finally. Denny, I did have a yeah. computer at the time, but that's all I did on the computer was play solitaire. <laughs> uh, I was still in the rock ages, but I came out of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, well, one Frank, other, after you became, oh no, go ahead, Denny. Uh, just one other little thing I wanted to that just came to my mind is that um, we uh, we were falling a little bit behind on the book that we had such a cumbersome procedure for talking and so forth. And I told Frank one day, I said, you know, I said it's going to take an awful long time to get this book done, and. Uh, I said, we need to try to streamline somehow how we communicate so we can make better progress. And I said, I got a whole bunch of questions and so on. And Frank says, well, he says, uh, maybe I can come to Vegas and spend a day or so and we'll get all caught up. You know, I'll fill in any information you need and then we'll work something out for the future. I said, okay. I said, uh, you know, when can you come to town and so on? And uh, I said, where would you like to meet? And we came to the conclusion that probably my place would be best because it would be you know, private, and uh, we could spend all the time we wanted. So after uh, af- after we uh, hung up, I told my wife, I said, guess who's coming to visit? She <laughs> said, who? And I said, Frank Collada. Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> she had already knew about Frank, what she had read about him. And uh, Frank uh, Frank was kind of a bad boy at one, uh, at one point in his life. So... Uh, well, anyway, so Frank came, and my wife was afraid of him. She was afraid to meet him. So he came in one door, and her and the dog went out the other. And uh, <laughs> after that, he would call every so often, and she'd answer the phone. And I could tell when it was him because it would be the conversation on her end was very brief. And then as, after a few weeks went by, all of a sudden, I'd hear the phone ring. She'd answer it, and then I'd hear giggle, giggle, tee-hee, and blah, blah, blah. And I thought it was one of her girlfriends. Well, it turned out her and Frank had become friends. <laughs> so, uh, so everything now now uh, he's one of her favorites. So, uh, but it was it was a little rocky. <laughs> it was a little rocky start there. <laughs> okay, Eric. I'm sorry. I didn't uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's that's uh, that's good stuff. So you're 
So basically what you're saying, Denny, is Frank's a charmer. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that for him. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Only would women, not would men. <laughs> well, yeah, that's good to know. Well, Frank, after you became an author, um, I, I presume that you probably had to be out in public a, a bit doing events to, to promote first your your first book and then and then your other bo- books that came after that. Did you ever have any concerns that your life could be in danger by by people from your past? Well, if I said no, I'd be lying. But I was smart enough to know what was in the room or outside of the room when I entered the room. And uh, and I knew what it would take if somebody wanted to hurt me, what they would have to go through to do it. So if anything, if I set up book signings and stuff, and there was like a week notice, then I knew that anybody that wanted to hurt me would have enough time to set up. So I was a lot more cautious. Uh, I... But I did them all, and then eventually everybody, with, you know, a lot of years had passed, and most of the guys were dead that would have probably tried to hurt me, and the ones that weren't dead were in the penitentiary doing life without the possibility of parole. So as time went on, I felt uh, a lot more secure in doing what I'm doing. So it's easy now. I don't don't have any worries about anybody anymore. It's been 37 years. Huh? Right. So you put up book signings like in a you'd give less than a week's notice, like like tonight's Thursday. You'd say, "Hey, on Saturday I'm going to be somewhere." Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. I'd even give I'd I'd go full seven days. Then it got to the point where I, you know, where you have to get it out there, keep it out there longer. So I'd go two weeks, uh, and uh, before I was at a book signing. But it all worked out, and people showed up for the events. I, a couple of times, Denny and I went to some events, and I think the first time we did an event, like 200 people showed up. And I was really shocked. It was at a library that that many people showed up, and they were all, like, lined up in a line, and they had to pass by us. So if I had to be scared, I guess that would have been one of the times. But I, didn't, I wasn't I wasn't as scared. I was just watching, you know, careful. Right. So I did a lot of book signings since then, and I still do. Yeah. Oh, cool. You, uh, How many people you, did you think? Four hundred. No, at a minimum, I think was two hundred people there at the library. That one oh, time. Oh, two hundred. Yeah. Yeah, and well, then there was another. Good and then there was. Oh yeah, that's a lot of people. And, you know, it's a lot of signing of books. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I sign like you know, not every everybody bought at least one book. There were some that bought two. So, you know, the sales were great that night. And uh, as a matter of fact, the book was so good when it first came out. It was, uh, I believe I'm right in saying this, it was the number one bestseller, uh, uh, original crime or whatever they call it. And uh, but I, True crime. And I sort of got screwed on that deal because the distributor uh, went bankrupt and didn't tell anybody. And at mm. that time three months where I would have made the most of my money, I lost it all because they claimed bankruptcy. <laughs> so that was a sad situation for me. Yeah. Was very <laughs> but, uh, it, 
it's yeah. it's kind of something you know, Frank. And now you were talking about doing signings and doing events. Now I know the uh, as far as I know, you still got the record for sales at the Mob Museum in Vegas. What did what did you well, sell that one let day? Me, let, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you. I sold 130 books there. So I broke the record at the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. Uh, everybody's tried, and uh, and the most they've ever got was up to 70. But I, I'm like 130. I, I give you a little thing. Like yesterday I was in there, right? I was because we, we do a tour out of there, you know, a tour. So as I'm standing around, people are finding out I'm there, and I sold. Ten books without even blinking my eyes. As a matter of fact, I was trying to get out of the door to jump on the bus, and I had three <laughs> people chase me with books for me to sign. So the book. Wow. The well, book, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ride the bus in Las Vegas? I what? I have a what? You, a bus? You you said you ride the bus in Las Vegas? Oh yeah, I, I go with people. Not a not a tra- rapid transit or something. We have a, oh, okay. a bus that we put people in. <laughs> And we take them oh, on a lab tour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. I was like, wow, that must be like a private uh, limo service. I didn't know anybody rode the bus in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, they got trains. They got they got them trains to ride around over. Yeah, buses. Train, yeah. yeah. But I don't. Train. I don't jump on them. But it was just one of the buses where we we rent and we take people on a tour. And then right, I saw no, more I books. Understand. You know, when I got the people on the tour, I saw more books. That. That's funny, Frank, because I was just going to mention the tour. And not only did you go out in public, but now you're doing this uh, this tour, and it's called actually you're you're doing two versions of it. It's called the Casino Frank Collada's Casino Tour, and you've got uh, kind of a deluxe um, or VIP tour that includes the Mob Museum, right? You got one that doesn't include but you got one that we where people start out at the right, Mob Museum right. and go through there. One's five hours and one's two hours. The difference is the Mob Museum, that's the long tour. That's two and a half hours in there and two and a half hours or two hours in the bus, you know, going to different locations. And the locations and, are all have to do something with the movie casino. Yeah that that could get confusing, uh, Eric. That's one of the things that it, it's the tour is not a casino tour in the sense of casino hopping. It, it's all has right. to do, like Frank said, with the movie Casino and and where different things took place, where the actual incidents that were portrayed in the movie uh, right. took took well, place. Tell them that I was a consultant on the movie. I was a consultant on the movie. So, I, as Nick Pelleggi would say, he was the writer, the screenplay writer and all that, as he put it on tape, that without without my knowledge and my know-how or whatever, they could have never got the movie uh, off, the, off the ground. So, if anybody knows anything about the movie, the inner works in the movie, it would be me, because I give them all that information to uh, do that movie. So I take people on that type of tour. I show them all where all the sets, the locations were, and where us guys, you know, organized crime guys used to hang and stuff like that, you know. Uh, now, Frank, how often do these tours run, uh, the, the basic tour and the the deluxe tour? Once a week for, for a basic tour and once a month for 
the the watch tour, which is the five hour tour. And people can book that at the Mob Museum or they online or. Well, you could go online. Uh, I don't know if I know, but I could give a number, a phone number, uh, of a booking lady that books it for us. I mean, we're 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 going with a big company here soon, but uh, the lady who does all the booking right now, her name is Becky, and the area code is seven zero two six seven seven. Nine zero one five. It's and it's called Frank Collada Vegas Map Tours, Las Vegas Casino Map Tours, something like that. You don't find it. Just my right. name. Just pull it up. It'll come up. But we're going. We're also signed a contract with. Uh, what do I call that place? I keep on calling it Wiki Pool. It's not. Uh, Expedia. 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 We signed the contract with Expedia. And uh, it's going to be sold through there, too. And that's probably going to be within the next 30 days. Well, that's good. Yeah, they'll they'll probably promote that um, pretty yeah, well. They will. Well, yeah, they will. And that, you know, so we promote it ourselves. Uh, I, the people I do, I don't, you know, do that stuff. Uh, I, have a right. pro- I have a problem putting two words together, so you know how long it took <laughs> to put this book together. <laughs> Uh, well, I got Eric. another question for you. You, you and go oh, sorry, go ahead, Denny. No, go ahead. You were talking. Just, uh, Denny, you, Denny will talk forever. You say something. Go ahead. <laughs> That's a go ahead, Eric. For you. Well, I know, I know that you and Denny wrote a second book too. After, after Coletta, um, it was called Hole in the Wall Gang, right? And that That's was published. Uh, that was just published like last, not last Christmas, but or two, December two thousand thirteen. That's right. No, fourteen, was it? Oh, really? No, it was thirteen, Frank. Yeah, I, I, th- I yeah, thought it was only a year, but it's been two. It's been out two yeah, years, that book. I don't believe yeah. it. <laughs> well, tell us, tell us well, how that book is different right now, huh? Tell, t- tell me how how that book was different from the first one. Well, the difference was I left. I couldn't possibly put my whole life into 320 pages. Right. And the editor that that edited this book, uh, the publisher, they took out a lot of stuff. So this other book that I did, The Hole in the Wall Gang, basically it says some of the things I wrote in the first book, but it fills in a lot of the gaps that I left out, like different robberies, different events that happen, you know, besides robberies, different people. Uh, and they're equally they're equally uh, both good. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that because I did Dunny and I did the books, but they're great books, you know. And they do have, you know, the graphics on them, their graphic, you know, work on it right. is great. And, uh, but specifically, what what did you talk about in Hole in the Wall Gang? That uh, well, I made it clear. See, they they give us the label of being the Hole in the Wall Gang, which I don't think I said anything about or was in Flatta. So what I do is I clarified the Hole in the Wall Gang, how we got that name from Las Vegas, and I said I didn't only start out with a hole in the wall uh, 
in Vegas, I've been making holes in the wall since I've been a kid. <laughs> and I went to my, you know, I went and I said I don't only go through the ceiling. I used to go through the floor, through the walls, through the roof. I said I made holes everywhere I could make a hole to get into place to bypass the alarm system. So you know, then I went on and I talked more about things that I left out, more about uh, my relationships in life with you know females and you know friends. So it's it's a very interesting book. I think it is. It's starting to pick up a little bit now. As a matter of fact, the ten books I sold in the museum were all uh, on the wall gang. Oh, great! Congratulations! They're jumping, on, they're jumping on that. So, but Eric. you know, this is a rough business, Eric. Uh, oh, it you is. You got to go out there with your own books. You can't depend on these publishers. They don't do very much except publish it and. You got to have their name attached to it in order for anybody to recognize the damn thing. But I just think it's such a waste of money because you make, you know, you don't make as much as you'd like to make on a book because they make most of it, you know, and they don't do shit. They get it printed. Right. Yeah, I went. I had a similar. Uh, my second book that came out through a publisher that kind of was the same thing was not well, doing yeah, everything that they could. Yeah. You can't. You don't know if they're robbing you. You know, uh, they give you a statement. You know, a breakdown, but it's so right. it's so easy of a breakdown. You know, and you can't if you hire. Uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, what do you call them, guys? If, an like a marketing person? No, an accountant. They got to check their records and check their. Oh yeah. yeah. Auditor. Auditor. It costs your fortune. It's right. not worth it. You know, so no. they sort of got you. They signed that into the contract. And they search you and got you over the barrel, you know, I mean, they're scared of me, you know, but they're still going to rob me, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it just makes me laugh, you know, there's a bunch of church. Yeah, we, should, we should do a seminar. <laughs> we should do yeah. a seminar on that. If if publishers are bold enough to rob Frank Collada, think what they're going to do to you. <laughs> exactly. You know, and every day trouble and everything, and I walk in the office, but, you know, since you're at the door, let's do this to him. Let's do that to him. He'll never think we'll do this to him because he thinks we're scared of him, you know. They're idiots. But, uh, well, you're not, Denny you're not alone. I'm doing another book. And I'm on another book with Denny, and uh, it's going to be a lot different ball game. this book. I'm going to be very cautious. Right, Denny? Who we go Absolutely. to? Yeah. No more. No more free runs for these guys. Can you can you uh, tell us what it's going to be about, or is it a secret? I don't think it's. What do you think, Danny? Do you think it's a secret? I don't think so, right? No, I think uh, no. Hell no. Well, tell them the, tell them the name of it, and it's going to be about one individual. Of course, I'll be in the book because I, how are you going to tell a story if you're not involved in the, in the story <laughs> itself? And right. it's about Tony Splatcho. Oh, okay. And it's about him from day one that I met him and his whole life. Exactly where and I know about him. Well, go ahead, Danny. You finish it up. The, the subtitle is Setting the Record Straight. It's going to be, uh, you know, Tony, there, there's been a lot of documentaries, and he's been mentioned in several books and so forth. And, of course, the movie Casino, Joe Pesci's character was based on Tony. Um, but there's... Uh, there's a lot of myths about him as well. I mean, uh, he did a he did a lot of stuff, uh, and 
he's been blamed for some things he didn't do, and he hasn't been, uh, I don't know if credited is the right word, but uh, uh, he has done certain things that haven't come to light before, uh, or, you know, that they were definitely uh, done by Tony or at his orders. So in this book, we're going to get it all out there. Uh, uh, Tony's, what he was like personally, his personality, his activities, his in addition to, to mob activities or criminal acts, uh, you know, what else he did. Uh, yeah, so it's going to make him, uh, yeah, we're going to personalize him and uh, and let people know who and what Tony really was. Oh, neat. It's so, going to well, be Frank, good. Um, yeah. What, on a scale of 1 to 10, how, 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 how well did Joe Pesci do in... in um, nailing Tony Spilato on, on the screen. And Pesci did a fairly good job on a scale of 1 to 10. I'd say he was like 6 or 7. He looked like him. He sort of made himself up to look like Tony, you know. And the uh, only thing is Tony uh, uh, wasn't, he didn't swear that often. Everybody oh. swears. But Tony didn't swear that often. I think uh, Pesci broke a record in the F word. You know, <laughs> I think he did. But Tony did. Yeah, he did. It was too much, and he was tall. But you know, what are you gonna do? These guys. He, he thinks all tough guys use the F word. You know, but you know, it's not true. So uh, he did his little job up there. But he was all right. You know, and it, Tony's voice was far from being like that. As Tony's. That's where it used to turn me off because she has like sort of a, like a high pitched voice. Yeah, that's the way I hear it coming through. Tony's was a lot deeper and more stern. You know, he was like you would think he had a college education the way he delivered words firmly, uh, and he was uh, a dropout just like I was from high school. And you but, say he uh, was a little—he was bigger. He was taller than Joe Pesci, right? No, he was five. I think Tony was five five. They were oh. about the same size. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah, they were about the same height. Same. Tony was uh, a little bigger bone than I would say than Pesci. Pesci's a slightly built man. You know, he's not a very big yeah. man. Uh, he plays big though. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's uh, like I told him on the set. I says, uh, "You portray gangsters. I'm the real thing." I said, so don't come to me and talk that gangster shit. I said, because I'm the real McCoy, buddy. And, I, and he got real quiet because he knew, you know, you could portray it all day long on the, on the screen, but when you're in real life, eh, you better have some right. stuff to back it up. So I had to straighten him out. I had to straighten him out one time. I, said, I really did. Yeah, I really did. I told him, you know, he said something that I didn't like, and I told him, I said, tell your bodyguards to take a walk. I because if you don't, I'm going to start piling them up in front of you. <laughs> he told them all to leave. Uh, I could have never won that fight, but it sounded good, you know? It sounded good. <laughs> you know, uh, Eric, I, a little uh, kind of a humorous thing. Before Frank started the casino tours, uh, the Robert Allen, who's uh, who... Alice runs the casino tours with Frank. It's uh, 
he started what they called the mob tour, Las Vegas mob tour. And, uh, of course, a lot of it was about Frank and about the Hole in the Wall gangs, Palatro and so forth. And uh, one of the places that uh, was famous in, in gangland lore in Las Vegas was Bertha's on Sahara. It was a oh. gift shop and jewelry store at, at the time, back in the 70s. And uh, Frank and the Hole in the Wall gang, uh, they got busted on July 4th of 81 when they were burglarizing Bertha's. And uh, so the the bus tour, the uh, mob tour, always went to Bertha's with one of the stops. And Frank was going to be in town uh, one day, we knew. We thought we'd give the give the uh, the passengers uh, a little Great. extra and have Frank board the bus at Bertha's. So we had it all set. We told Frank, you know, <laughs> the bus will be leaving such and such a time, so you'll be outside of Bertha's in the parking lot, and then we'll, you know, They'll open the door and have you come on the bus. You can tell people what actually went down on July 4th of 81. So uh, everything was going good, and we'd left on the bus from the hotel, and we were just almost to Bertha's right out in front of it, and the bus says, some guy's out here in the middle of the road stopping, and it, uh, he wants to get in. It, uh, I look out the window, and it's Frank. And so uh, Robert says, open the door. So the driver opened the door, and Frank got on. He says, son of a bitch. He said, I almost got mugged. He said, can you imagine Frank Collada for the whole Demon game getting getting mugged at Bertha's? Wow. Yeah, it's a bad neighborhood over there now. Yeah, where it's over on Sahara, right? Yeah, it's pretty bad over there. I did have like a guy Sahara who was following 15. me around. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's by uh, it's by commercial. What is that? There's a shopping center over there, a strip mall. Yeah. Now it's called Tower of Jewels, but uh, oh. it was it was called Bertha's when we did it, or uh, we oh. attempted to do it. And the only reason why we got busted, they had a they had a plant working in the gang. He was an informant, so oh, that's how we all got busted. Oh. Yeah. You had a hole in the hole in the wall gang then, huh? Boy, that's a good way to put it. We had a hole in the hole in the wall gang crew. That's right. <laughs> oh. I'll have to remember you know, that. You know, <laughs> uh, one thing I always like to point out, because there's a lot of confusion, I think, and people, the diff- a government witness is one thing, that somebody testifies for the government, and if it's a... If it's a case of somebody like in Frank's position who was a, a former insider uh, of organized crime uh, and they go in witness protection program and so on and so forth, then uh, you also have informants. And they're totally different, aren't they, Frank? There's there's a big difference between... Yeah, and it's like mixing oil and, oil and water together. You know, an informant is a guy that's... Uh, he's like a frustrated cop, you know. He's a crook that wants to be a cop. So he, he wears a wire, and he really don't even have a worry in his world about going to jail, but he likes to play both sides, you know what I mean? So he runs around with this wire monitoring people. I don't have much respect for an individual like that, you know. And that's what type of guy this guy was that was on Bertha's with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, he was an informant. And there's a lot of them out there, you know, and they run around the streets and, 
Frank about it. I, don't know. I would be ashamed of myself. And Frank, you had you had him pegged well before the operation went down, well before Bertha's went down. You knew this guy was bad news. Well, uh, I never liked him, but I couldn't say he was a rat at that time when I didn't like him because it wouldn't have been fair to him. But then when I got a visit from Chicago detectives, they came out from Chicago, active detectives from Chicago, they came out to see me at my restaurant. They informed me that this guy, they thought his feelings, their feelings were that he was working with the government. Of course, I asked them, and they told me how they put it together and how they put it together. I believed it made a lot of sense. So uh, that's when I really dis- disbelieved them, and I told Tony Slatcher about it, and Tony didn't want to believe it. Hmm. And that's how we got screwed up on Bertha's. Did Tony get yeah. pinched on that deal, too? He would have got an end. Yeah, he would have got an end of the money. He would have never got in, he would have never got busted for it like we did because he wasn't even oh. in the area. But oh. he was like we have to we had to pay a tribute, you know. Right. Tax like, you know. The big right. stores to kick in fifteen or twenty percent, whatever. Yeah, and that was, was my that was my business to give him that money, you know. Oh. So that was basically it. But okay. Yeah, no hard feelings. I can say it was a good while ago. Um, we got 14 minutes left. It looks like to me. So, or or we, or four. I, sometimes I have trouble reading this. <laughs> yeah, I know. my eyes. I'm seeing about ten different sets of numbers up here. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's go through one more question, then we can uh, probably wrap up. Uh, okay. Is that okay with you, Frank? Yeah. Okay, um, what I'd what I'd like to ask uh, Frank is now that you're familiar with the writing business, you had quite a bit of experience now with with the two books that are out and and the one uh, this Bellatro yeah. book that's in progress. Um, I my advice to to writers, uh, aspiring writers, generally speaking, is that. When you write the manuscript, you can't get done with the manuscript and then think you can sit back on the couch watching television and publishers and agents and are going to be beating your door down, uh, you know, wanting you to sign and give you advances and all kinds of money, that getting the manuscript finished is only a part of the job. You know, uh, you've got to then sell the manuscript to a publisher, tell them on the idea that it can be a successful venture so that they take it and you to a contract. And then I think, Frank, probably equally as important as the writing is the marketing. I mean, you said at the start of the show that publishers, the vast majority of them, don't do anything for you. They, they might publish shut. the book, but it's, yeah. So would you say that if, if a person... If a person's not comfortable marketing, you're going to have a tough time being a success. Very, very difficult time. Uh, you have to make sure whoever, whatever publisher you get all of that. It's stated in the contract, I believe, that they're going to market this book uh, 
feverishly so and get you interviews and so on and not stop because what tends to happen with them, they start out gung-ho and then after one year, they abruptly, they stop, they slow down, they go down to nothing. Uh, They're supposed to use people to do the marketing for them and not all of them people are very good. They lie to get in the door, and then once they're in the door, they just sit behind the desk and do nothing, and the publisher don't pursue them because he believes that they're going to do something. Uh, there's a lot to go to do a book. Uh, it's very discouraging, I think. Uh, I know this was going to be the last book I'll ever attempt to do uh, because uh, they've made it very depressing, the publishers. I blame the publishers. I'm sorry, I, I blame the publishers. You know, if I don't sell my books myself by myself, if I don't buy them from the publisher, I make no money every four months or every three months when I get a check. You know, I uh, I just don't make what I thought I should make. I should make. I don't care. They take too much money. They take too much money, and they don't do that much of a job. You could, a person could get their books printed from anybody for four dollars, and then turn around and sell them. Uh, but again, if the publisher's name isn't hooked up to it, uh, I don't know what what it is. Nobody wants to touch the book. Uh, as far as uh, big companies like uh, Barnes and Noble and stuff like that, and these book right. distributors. So uh, don't look to be a millionaire unless you're Clinton or Obama or Kennedy. Anybody that's big, politicians, you know, they give up front money, you know, 100000 a million dollars. I don't know why. Their books, to me, ain't that interesting. And they give these people this kind of money, and they're out there lying their ass off, you know. The uh, Kardashians do pretty well, too. Uh, what? <laughs> I'd say the Kardashians do pretty well, too. Well, that's totally ridiculous. I I know what kind of people are in this world. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what's going on in this country anymore. It's screwed up. It was a, you know, it's just screwed up. It's a head scratcher. Entertainment. It's entertainment. People are so frustrated, they die for entertainment. So they got the Kardashians. That's entertainment. Meanwhile, the Kardashians are making millions and millions (laughs) They can write a book about bad toes and it'll sell and make a million dollars. Frank, I, we're running out of time here. Do you have a, a website or a Facebook page or yes, anything? Yes, I like do. To... I have a website and I have uh, a Facebook page. It's Frank Collada, my Facebook page, at yahoo.com. Uh, I also have a web page. It's Hole in the Wall Gang. Dot biz. Hole in the wall gang. Dot biz. H o l e h o l e. Not w. Okay. Right. H o l e. And the one dot biz. B i z. And Facebook is uh, Frank Collada at yahoo. Dot com. And for everybody out there, that's Collada uh, C u. L L O T T A. So correct. Well, you can also uh, buy my books on Amazon. Sure. 
Yeah, you're you're uh, you're huge on the in the true crime genre. Yeah, um, yeah, that's why I don't understand why my chicks ain't that high. <laughs> you can't tell me I ain't getting robbed. <laughs> well, well, Frank, thanks so much for being our guest tonight. Uh, we had a couple laughs and 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 got some insight into uh, um, how people can still sort of visit some of the the places that you haunted back in your day. And uh, I hope you'll come back again after your book uh, on Tony Spilatro is is released. Well, I'll be glad to come back if I'm still around. All right? (laughs) All right. Well, then on behalf of... And on Uh, behalf of Denny Griffith and Morgan... Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead, Frank. No, that's I was just going to say goodbye to y'all. Oh, well, yeah. Absolutely. Um, that's what we're doing here. <laughs> so, on behalf of Denny Griffin and Morgan St. James, and thanks to all of our listeners for sharing this part of your evening with us, and we hope that you'll join us again for the next installment of Writer's Tricks of the Trade. Good night, everybody. Yeah, good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, Frank. Yeah, good night, Frank. Good night, thanks for... Good night, Frank. Or good night, Denny. Good night. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.